As we've progressed in this podcast, we've learned how the lyric opera decides on a particular production, how they go about the casting process, how the productions make music with the chorus and the orchestra. We've also learned how the sets come together. And now we're about three weeks from opening night. And now we have to make sure the actors have costumes. Listen, these are all skilled singers and performers, but if Sandra Radvanowski took the stage wearing a bull's hoodie, I think it would take the audience out of the performance a little bit. That's where Maureen Ryan, the costume director at Lyric Opera of Chicago, comes into the story. Well, I was always involved in theater, junior high and high school. I was a theater major, and I always was an art minor. And I went to graduate school for costume design, and I was freelancing mostly on the East Coast. And a friend of mine, I'm, I grew up in Chicago, mm-hmm. a friend of mine worked here, and they were looking for people to work here. And so he said, why don't you come home? And I was 26 at the time, and so I came came back here and I started working for the Lyric and I've been here ever since. So I've been here, I think, 33 years now. And I started out working in the sewing room, doing alterations and fittings and being a dresser and just doing every aspect of it. And I started to run the department in 2000. I'm Keith Conrad, and this is Bringing Up the Lights, a podcast where I'll be giving you a behind-the-scenes look at the people involved in creating some of the biggest stage productions in the United States. This season, I'll be following along with the Lyric Opera of Chicago as they prepare for their production of Verity's Opera Macbeth in September of 2021. Like many of the people we've met during the course of this production, Maureen Riley didn't start her career thinking she would be working in the opera business. It's it's very emotional. It's not it's not just a job. It's it's a lifestyle and it's a commitment and it's a wonderful. I feel like I'm very fortunate. But it wasn't necessarily uh, opera specifically. It was just performing arts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so then over the years, obviously, I've learned more and more about opera and what it takes to put an opera on, and and also to appreciate the singers and what they go through and and how their voice is an instrument. The entire production process takes. Four Four years, but the costume department doesn't come into the picture until later. After all, they don't necessarily know who will be in a particular role, so it's tough to make costumes for people. So where does the costume department's part of the production start? I always try to have the philosophy. Lots of times we have cast changes or time constraints and obstacles that come along. And I always have the philosophy of truly this is make-believe, so there is no right answer. There's the best answer for the situation. And I feel like that helps us in the wardrobe department handle whatever comes our way. We try not to get you know, rattled by things. And our job is to get the costume on the stage. And that's how we look at it. There have been bigger projects that are more involved with the ring cycle, for one. Lots of times when we do a small show with no chorus and it's more in, in intimate, that's more difficult than a large opera when you have 80 choristers in the exact same costume because you have to individualize everything. Elixir this year is like that. Each person and chorister has their own character. So we have to really pay a lot of attention to the details. 
even though the costume department doesn't expect to be involved until later in the process, like everyone else in the production, the costume department had to get used to a whole new world when it came time to get back to work with Macbeth. It did put a dent in it, but as I said before, there's no right answer. There's the best answer for the situation. And this is an ongoing thing lots of times with a new production because things are so costly. And, and with COVID, cost of fabric, cost of uh, um, transporting is just going up high. So to make the budget work, we thought, well, the, the team thought if we could pull as much of the chorus costumes from our stock that exists here and build that, that would save us a lot of money for things that we had to make. So normally the designer would come here in that situation about three or four times before we got actually into the project so he could look at our, he or she could look at our stock and then help pull things out and size it and assign it. We couldn't do that at all. So it was a much more involved thing for us. We had to go into our storage, pull out all things that we thought would work. Then we had to number all of them, put them on dress forms, photograph them, make a PowerPoint to send to him to Europe so that he could look through it. He could approve things or not. Then once we had rails of clothes that were approved and then we got the chorus so we knew what sizes and that's another thing after I tell you this. Then we had two teams that went through and created looks for each of the choristers and all of those pieces were put on a dress form and then photographed. Also close up details so he could see what they were and then he approved those or we had to change things resend it if we had to change it and so we started that last in the spring like in March of this this past year and then the issue was it's this is the largest number of chorus the whole season the Macbeth chorus was 72 people and partly I think because of the virus people who were sub chorus like extra chorus people they have moved on they've taken other jobs they've moved to other cities they've gone home to their families because they couldn't sustain here and so they had a lot of trouble securing the 72 people so we couldn't do our work until they knew who they had. So the last people that we got were probably like the third week of July, which is really late when we go on stage September 17th. And again, the whole time we were doing Zoom calls and emailing documents to the designer. He was supposed to try and come around 4th of July and he couldn't. And then he was going to come the end of July and it took us even more. So we were postponed yet another week. So he got here right when the chorus got here. So we all jumped in together. When I talked to technical director Michael Smallwood, he mentioned the Lyric Opera of Chicago keeps their sets in storage for future use. So does the costume department do the same thing? I would say there probably have been maybe eight productions that we've pulled from our stock over the years. I'm talking like maybe in the last 15 years. But in, in most cases, everything is made for the chorus, the supers, the principals. And it's not so much that it's made in one particular place. It's jobbed out to different places. For example, the principal artists, the costumes for Macbeth were built in Germany by a person that the designer knows and actually two different places. But I'm trying to think of like Troyan's that we did a while ago. That was a really big production. Some of that was made in New York. We have a lady that's a maker in um, Kenosha in Racine, Wisconsin, and she built stuff for us. Some things are purchased if we can, and so it's farmed out to all different places. The entire production process runs four to five years. 
So how long is the costume department working on a particular production before they finally reach opening night? Usually it, it's about a year and a half ahead of time, maybe two years, depending upon how involved things are. If we have to have special fabrics that have to be dyed, we might start a little bit earlier. But actually, like making the costumes can't be too early because we don't know who the chorus is until if our season starts in September, in March, we know who the chorus is. And usually by the beginning of May, we know who the extra choristers are. This year, it wasn't until the end of July. But we don't actually start building everything until then. When Maureen and I talked, it was just under a month before opening night for Macbeth. So what's the status of the costumes at this point? We have two more days of fitting chorus people. And while we've already been working on alterations, we're also doing the process. This this show in particular is different because we have an extra step in addition to fitting and altering. Everything has to be painted and dyed and distressed so that it looks old and worn out. And so we have a team of people doing just that. So as things are finishing with alterations, they're going to the dye room and then downstairs to the paint area. So that's an extra step next week. Well, we fit two principles this week. Next week, we're finishing the rest of the principles. And then we have all the actors to fit and supers and children. So we're going to be right up to the minute. So about how many people are, are working on it? Right now, I have... 17 people. What are the unique challenges presented by this particular production? You know, aside from the whole COVID thing, of course. I think that the most interesting thing is going to be that the the time and effort that was put into the painting and, and dying and making them look like they've been through a battle that they've lived through like a hard oppressive time that they're not just um you know you can have a king in a disney movie and then you can have a king who's been through a battle and when you're making a new costume it's very easy for them to end up looking like a Disney king when you don't want them to be simply because it's a new costume. So all this extra work that's done to make it look exactly like what the director and the designers have decided to make this world look like. Okay, so you don't want Macbeth to look like Gaston wandered in from Broadway and Chicago's production of Beauty and the Beast down the street. So what is the distressing process like? Usually we start out with dyeing. So if you have to completely dye something to get it to be a different color or a darker color. And then there's the mechanicals where you use rasps and sandpaper to create holes or to wear things out. And then we use airbrush, paint, different techniques, sponges to add the texture of you know mud on the bottom of the skirts or sweat stains if that's appropriate. 
Yeah, because you can't just like rub butt in it because it'll come out. Yeah, come off. no. Yeah. And then Macbeth, of course, we have another whole dynamic because there's lots of blood in Macbeth. So we have to make sure that whatever we set as far as paint and dye goes, that it's not going to wash out when we launder because we have to get the blood out so that it looks the way it should at the top of the show. Once all the work is done and Macbeth takes the stage for Lyric Opera Chicago's comeback from the COVID shutdown, what is Maureen most looking forward to seeing on stage? It is, it really, it's a, really a, the whole experience of it. We, we did Hansel and Gretel in the parks this past spring, and we had a rehearsal in one of our rehearsal rooms here before we went outside, and everyone was there, and it was, like, emotional for everyone. People were, I mean, no one was wailing, but people had tears in their eyes because we had been all away from it for so long and to hear them in that small space and be like, we're back, we're doing what we want to do. It was really wonderful. And I think to be able to have an audience again too is, is going to be really nice. There's like a, there's an adrenaline, there's an excitement every, even after and the last performance as much as the first for everyone backstage. Now that we're just about ready for Macbeth to finally take the stage, you might think there's time for the people we've met in this podcast to just, you know, sit back and enjoy the show. You'd be wrong. We have the next one right away. We open on Friday and we have our costumed rehearsal for the next opera that Monday. So, I, Are you focused on one production at a time? or No. We always multitask since it's a rep company. Mm-hmm. The, the way the schedule is, we usually have like two that we're working on really intensely and then we have like a week of a break and then we start on the next two like that's how the calendar works so probably when we're doing tech for the second opera we'll start the chorus fittings for the third we've given you a pretty good snapshot at the production process for lyric opera of chicago's production of macbeth now it's time to get to the actual actors Suzanne Kostowski from the Chorus in Macbeth will share her part of the story in the penultimate episode of this season. Just getting to sing an opera, like start to finish, be there from, you know, the moment that the orchestra starts playing to when we take a bow and just the lights on you and the orchestra and the audience and the costume, like just, it's going to be a complete experience. It's going to, you know, it's, you kind of get like little bits and pieces in the rehearsal process because you get... Um, you know, if you're rehearsing with the orchestra, but you're not in costume, you don't have, you know, that. So it's, it'll be fun to just do the whole thing and just finally have on the main stage a production. It's going to be really great. Bringing Up the Lights is an original series from Sound Concept Media. It's written and narrated by me, Keith Conrad, with original music from John Benedek, along with the Lyric Opera of Chicago's 2010 production of Macbeth. Along the way, I had plenty of help from the team at Lyric Opera of Chicago and Elizabeth Newkirk with the Silverman Group. 